Take your Bibles out, take your Bibles out, take your Bibles out. Turn to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. Are you ready for a ride this morning? You better go back outside because your vehicle's outside. I love what we're fixing to do. Now, it's going to make a lot of you guys really uncomfortable. I'm sorry. And some of your rows are really packed. Some of the rows aren't so packed. But some of them are really packed. Is this like all like family and stuff? Is this like the Tom and Sandy row or something? Whoo, mercy. Um, For the past three years, past two years, we have done a series called Living Generously. And um, if you've not been with us, we have been following uh, the family of Frank and and Casey, Cassie. Uh, It is a video series, um, and what we do is uh, we have just been watching their interactions as they have walked through what it looks like in being challenged in the area of generosity. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything that's been more impactful uh, in my life that deals, dealing with the areas of generosity. Uh, we started off uh, with Frank and Cassie in a, in a character by the name of Ray and, and other, just a few other minor characters and, and family members. And in the first series, uh, we, we saw where Frank was really challenged in the area of what it meant. I mean, Frank was, Frank's well off. Frank's family is well off. They're used to just writing a check and going on about their business. But for the first time in his life, he was really challenged uh, in his life that, that generosity was much more than writing a check, but it had to do with the stewardship of God's resources and what God had given him. Then in last year, we, we saw where it was about loving generously and that Frank and Cassie had begun inviting some people into their lives that were a little bit less desirable, but not necessarily were their friends. And we saw where their friends that were of a little bit better in the area of, of wealth and resources begin to uh, sort of turn their back on them. And we saw some of the tensions that they experienced when they begin to love people generously, when they begin to give of themselves, and they begin to express love, and they begin to invite them into their lives, and we begin to see the tensions that were expressed when, when people begin to love people, not just their friends, but people that were, were different. And there were a lot of tensions that were involved in that, and we saw it firsthand because some of you know what it's like to be in those situations. And, we, and then we looked at the parable of what Jesus, Jesus had even shared a parable. It's easy for us to invite people to the table that are our friends or that can give us something back in return. But what about inviting people to the table that can't give you anything in return? And we saw where Jesus gave us generously when we were sinners, that he invited us Uh, and opened up the door to share generously with us while we were still sinners, the Bible says. Um, Christ died for us. Well, this is the third part, and it's not living generously, it's not loving generously, but this is leading generously. And we're going to take a look at five aspects of what we would consider to be um, characteristics of what servant leadership is all about. And this is the first time we're going to see Frank all of a sudden began to wrestle with his wealth and what it looks like to not just give of his wealth, to not just give of his love, but to give of his self. It's going to be in 
very interesting as we walk through this over the next few weeks. Now, let me just lay some ground rules for you because this isn't me just talking to you guys, okay? Are we okay with that? So this is church a little bit different, which we're okay with because we're a little bit different. We're different folks around here. There are going to be some times that I'll ask you guys to turn around and to have a conversation with one another to discuss a certain item. There'll be a, a time that I may ask you guys to participate because we're going to start off this morning with the series. I'm going to try to sort of set it up for you. Uh, today, um, the, first, the first characteristic we're going to talk about is promises because one of the, one of the things that we deal with in, in life in general is we're not really promise keepers, are we? A lot of times in life, we're promise breakers. True, but our Heavenly Father is a promise keeper. He keeps His promises. Um, but in life in general, how many of you guys have experienced a time where you have either broken a promise or somebody has broken a promise to you? Yeah, very much so. What would life be like if you were to to not only know the promises of God, but if you were to hold on to the promises of God. What would life be like? What would it really be like? We're going to talk about that. Um, I want you to, to look at that passage of Scripture, though, in Philippians chapter 3. I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled about a focal passage because there are so many passages of Scripture that I think that are very applicable for us but I want us to take Philippians chapter 3, and I want us to use this as sort of a focal passage as we move through this series. I want to read it to you, and this is what Paul had to say. Paul is reverting back, and just before this passage, he's giving a list of all these things, nationality, culture. He's talking about um, his knowledge. He's talking about his training. He's talking about his morality, his background, family, all these things that Paul said, listen, Man, if you want to talk about somebody that's got something to brag about, he said, listen, I can give you a whole list of things that, I can, that I, can, I can brag about, things that I can take comfort in. And this is what he says in chapter 3, verse 7. I once thought these things, these things, talking about what he had previously talked about, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. What did Christ do? That's not a trick question, people. <laughs> what did Christ do? He died on a cross. Okay? But now we're looking here. Here we're after the resurrection. Paul is in prison. Paul is, is writing this. Aphrodite said he had, he had brought a Paul a gift. He's in prison. He's writing back to the people of Philippi uh, just a letter of encouragement to them saying thank you. And so in the midst of that, this is what he says. I once thought these things, these things that I were valuable, these things of, of me, of my, the things that I've accomplished, who I was. He said, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything. I've put it off to the side. Everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. So I want you to think about that over the next several weeks as we watch um, and as we listen and as we learn. We're going to watch a brief video clip, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk about it briefly, and then we're going to talk about some questions. And at the end of our time together, we'll finish it up with just another brief video clip. Watch this. 
not only are we going to be having these discussions in here, but um, in our missional communities, they'll be having these discussions along with our students on Wednesday nights. Um, can I just say this? There's a whole lot more to these videos than what you see to start off with. Um, did you hear what he said about the promises of God? Some, some people say 3,000, some people say 7,000. There's a guy by the name of Herman Locklear that said that there's close to 8,000 promises that are included in the scriptures. And yet, when we hear the promises, when we hear the word promises, like I said earlier, some, some of us sort of get a tick because we have a hard time believing in promises, don't we? Because how many of us have been wronged or we've experienced broken promises? Uh, election time, how many promises do you think are being made that are... <laughs> how many people say, I do, and yet they don't? How many bosses or businesses make promises of raises or promotions and yet don't fulfill those. The list just goes on and on. Um, broken promises. And the realization is this, that we're sinful people living in a sinful world and we experience broken promises all the time. And those broken promises affect us and our relationship with the Lord and sometimes it causes us not to not to understand that God is consistent and God is trustworthy and the promises that God makes are, are secure. Um, that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he, what he says he will do. You know, the scripture says that he who began a work, good work in us is faithful to complete it to the end. Um, I want you just to think about this for a second. You got the Bible that's full of promises. But what would happen if we truly believed those promises and we held on to those promises? What if, what if you, you really believed what the scripture has to say in reference to God opposes the proud, but he lifts up, he lifts up those that are humble? What, how would your life be different if you were to live based on those promises? What about this one? What if you as a believer held on to the promise that God never leaves nor forsakes us? That when that pressure was, was really hard and the tensions were very, very difficult, that you just didn't know that passage of Scripture, but you held on to that passage of Scripture? How would your life be different? Or even this, pat, or about what I, this one. That is, believers that we would... We would recognize and hold on to the fact that there was nothing that we could ever do that would make him love us any more or any less. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the people of the Scriptures. What would happen if, if, if some of the people of the Old Testament weren't faithful? What happens if, if they had not held on to some of the promises of God? Even in those moments and times, it would have been so easy to have walked away I mean, think about some of the people from the Old Testament. What about people like Noah? I mean, do you think it would have been easy for Noah to have walked away and not held on to the promises of God? What about Abraham? I'm going to make you the father of many nations and your, your descendants as the stars in the sky. And here's Abram, an old man. Do you think it would have been easy just to have given up and given in? Yeah. 
What about Mary? Yeah, very much so. Other people in the scriptures that we find that held on to their faith. Um, Daniel. I mean, what about Daniel, Hananiah? Uh, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and those guys? I mean, here they are. They've been exiled, and yet they would, they've been taken away from their country, from Judah. They have been exiled. Their, their language, they're trying to change their language. They're trying to change their customs so that they can put them in the king's court there in King Nebuchadnezzar. Yet they would not bypass their faith in God. I mean, even with the threats that they're going to they're gonna put them in a lion's den or they're going to put them in a furnace, they would, not, they would not move. They held on to their faith. What would it be like if we were to hold on to their faith? Um. Did you guys catch what he said about what Ray had to say about believe in the seed? Did you see that? We're going to talk about that in, in just a couple of minutes. But there's a, a really huge significance to that, that little thought of believe in the seed. Because to believe that God has planted within inside of us a seed of potential and hope. And when we place our trust in God and we believe in his promises, that potential can be fulfilled. And that seed can begin to grow and mature. As the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of us. Here's a promise. Jeremiah in chapter 31, 3 says this. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfading love, I have drawn you to myself. God's commitment to us that he is all in. He's all in. He didn't hold anything back. It was an everlasting love covenant, the same covenant that we should bring into marriage, an everlasting covenant. It was strong and secure, the giving of oneself without reserve. We could trust in it. Hmm. It's going to get really deep in a few minutes, but I want you to, to hear the significance of this passage of scripture. There are going to be those times when our faith is challenged. There are going to be those moments when we feel that God is distant, when we're walking through a personal tragedy, when something happens and you feel, man, listen, where in the world is God? And you're going to wonder whether or not God is who he says he is and if he'll do what he says he'll do. How many of you guys have walked through that time? And in those moments, you've got you've to make a decision. How am I going to respond? How am I going to respond in the midst of that time? In that time of uncertainty, in that time of sickness, in that time of untimely death or loss of income or broken relationship. And this is what the psalmist has to say in Psalms 119.50. He says, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promise, your promise gives me life. It gives me life. So here's the situation in the storyline. Did you catch it up front? All of a sudden, life is going great for Frank. He's been, he's been recommended for this award, okay? And then all of a sudden, he gets hit between the eyes. They want to call a meeting. In the midst of calling that meeting, they want to, they want to question him about some things and ask him some, ask him some questions. And here's the sort of the thought process. How does your trust in God and his promises waver when you are threatened? Up until this time in Frank's life, things have been pretty simple, hasn't it? I mean, but there's been some, un, some uncanny things that have happened in his life where he's, there's been some tense moments. But Frank's always had his income, but all of a sudden, his income is threatened. 
Are you with me? His livelihood is threatened. For the first time in his life, he's, he's put in a really difficult situation that we can see. And so the question, does our trust in God and his promises waver when we are threatened? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've tried to take matters into your own hands? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've said, God, I don't understand. I don't know why you aren't working, but you sure aren't working in my time frame, so let me go ahead and take things back. The guy walks in and he says, the legend of Frank Donovan. Frank invited him to join him, but he refused, and he said, maybe next time. What do you think was going on in Frank's co-worker, when, uh, in the mind of Frank's co-worker, when he asked him uh, to join him? What do you think was going on in Frank's mind? This guy had been walking alongside of Frank the past period of time where he's seen Frank's life change. And so now Frank invites him to come and join him at this celebration. Why don't you come and go, go with me? Why don't you, why don't you go with me to the, back to this, this, this shelter? And what, did, what, did, what, was his, what was his co-worker's response? What did he say? No. No, not, not this time. Not this time. Um, you got the two board members. Frank's getting ready to leave. You got the two board members that want to meet. Frank has no idea why they want to meet. So they come in. There's a question. And uh, the comment is, we, um, you know, there's, a, there's an overbilling that's taken place with one of Frank's workers. And Frank made a comment. Didn't he say something? Like, it was an accidental. It was an accidental. And we're handling that. We're taking care of that. In other words, I've got it all handled. All right? And so, uh, and they responded, we're surprised that you haven't let him go. And Frank came back and he said, he's a good employee and he made a mistake and he learned from it. And there's no reason for him to be able to lose his job. And the board members responded in saying, we thought you might say something like that. What do you think they were, why do you think they were saying that? Do what? Because they had seen the changes in Frank. They saw Frank's character, right? So what do you think the board members were all about? What were the board members all about? Protecting themselves? Yeah. Man, listen, they didn't care about this guy. This kid, this kid he was just he was low man on totem pole. They didn't think about that. They were more worried about their own skin. They, weren't, they, weren't, they were worried about what, the way it looked. They were threatened. Um, they were worried about covering themselves. Then one board member said it's going to demand that someone is going to have to take the fall. And if you aren't willing to fire Jimmy, then we're going to recommend to the board that they ask for your resignation. In other words, listen, we aren't going to fall for this. There could be some really harsh consequences to what's taking place. And if you aren't going to make sure that this kid that's low man on the totem pole that's going, to, that's going to get fired for it, we're going to go after you. Because I don't want this to affect us. Do you think that Frank was maybe feeling a little threatened? What do you think was going on in Frank's mind? Maybe I need to reconsider. Maybe Jimmy does need to lose his job. Have you ever made a decision in your life that was based off of the fact that somebody was threatening you 
Or maybe you have you ever made a decision that was wrong and you made it because you were being threatened? I see some people shaking their heads. Did anybody happen to notice the name of Ray's business? Anybody notice that was on the back of one of the shirts? It was Seed Time Garden Supply. Now, if you've been with us since the first series, you remember this, that Ray was a, a homeless guy that started working as a, as, a yard, as a yard man for Frank and Cassie. If you go all the way back several years, you'll remember that's how he started out. But he has he's worked his way out of that, and now he's a business owner. And you're going to learn a lot more about Frank over the next couple of weeks that you're going to go, oh, my goodness, I never knew that. But anyway, here's Frank, or here's Ray. He's gone from a homeless to homeowner again. Um, and uh, Ray has gone from the one that was being helped to now Ray is giving back. Um, there was a, a time when uh, Cassie was asking the, the young lady that was sitting by her daughter, um, do you remember that conversation? And there was something, do you remember how, uh, I think her name was Noel, is that right? Noel, um, Naomi, Naomi, that's what it was. Do you remember how she said her and her daughter heard about um, what was taking place? How did she hear about that? About her friends. I mean, that was how she, she came to that place that time was some friends had invited them to come. How many of you have come to know the Lord as a result of somebody else's invitation? Very important. Not everybody has grown up in a Christian home. Not everybody has had the privilege of, you know, being in church all their lives. We now live in a, uh, America is not a, a churched culture as we see it. There are multitudes of people around us that don't know the Lord, that have not been raised in church, don't know who Jesus is. We are surrounded by people by that, like that. And guess what the greatest way for us to be able to tell them is to invite them to join us. Last, that's one of the reasons we do the fall festival, like we did the other day. Give you an opportunity to invite people to come and join us. Um, when they turned down the lights at the beginning of the program, um, there was one of the things that, that, uh, that Ray said, and they said it was, it was seed time, okay? Seed time. And they said, believe in the seed. Believe in the seed. What do you think believe in the seed was about? I said something about it a little bit earlier. That God has placed within us a seed. Uh-huh. What else? What else you want to, what else you think that has to do? Anything about believe in the seed? Huh? Potential? Yep. Potential. That inside of every one of us is an opportunity of, of hope and potential. And at just the right time, under the right conditions, and us being able to trust and follow Christ, that seed has an opportunity to grow and to flourish and to mature. Anything else about believing the seed? It's a process. Okay? That's really good. It's a promise. It's a promise. 
When you're walking through difficulty, is that part of the process? Do we see that as part of the process? What do we a lot of times do when we walk through times of difficulty? We make excuses. What are some things we do when we walk through difficulty? Escape. Lie. Doubt. What else? Get angry. Blame other people. Whine. Kim, you wouldn't whine. I mean, think about it. We don't see our faith as being a process. We don't see a seed as being, being there and being germinated. I mean, I mean, we want everything now. But he says, listen, man, seed time, process, growth, difficulty. But a lot of times when we walk through difficult times, the first thing we want to do is turn around and run. Frank is getting ready to walk through a difficult time, an extremely difficult time, in which he can make an awful lot of excuses So what is he going to do? I mean, how is he going to respond? What is he going to do in the face of difficulty? Ray told the kids, the seed is like a promise from God, a promise that will spring forth when the seed is planted in rich soil, protected and nourished, it will reach its full potential, just like each one of us. I love what the guy said, he said, Sometimes seeds aren't meant to grow right away, but sometimes they have to wait for the right season. In other words, what that says to me is there may be seasons in our life that it's almost like we're stuck. And all of a sudden, something happens, and there's this, that happens in our lives, and all of a sudden, there's like this explosion of growth. But it's got to be the right time. The right conditions. But it's a promise of God that he who began to work in us is faithful to complete it until the end. Regardless, God's promises are always true. Here, here's a thing. At the end, Frank puts on his coat and he looks down at the letter for volunteer of the year. And what do you think is going through his mind? This is at the end. Frank looks down at the letter. He sees it. And what do you think is going on in Frank's mind? Anybody remember that? This is just at the end, right as he's getting ready to close out. Puts on his coat, looks down at the letter for volunteer of the year. What do you think is going on in Frank's mind? Great, great answer, Diane. He's going to maybe, maybe he's going to lose all of the praise and all the accolades that he's getting because of all the monies that he's been giving. Or maybe he's thinking about, if I don't do this, then this, this, this won't succeed. Maybe he's thinking, of what else Maybe some things that's going through his mind? Was it worth it? Huh? The suffering? Do you think he's even contemplating, okay, is Jimmy worth this? Is this a sign from God? There's a whole lot of stuff that could be we could imagine that's going on in his mind. I mean, there's, I mean there's, we, can, we can suppose an awful lot of stuff. There's an awful lot of things that are happening here. He's, I mean, is he torn between job and passion, the biggest impact? I mean, is he going to take the bull by the horns, and is he going to fight them? 
and say, man, this isn't going to happen. I mean, is it my way or the highway? What's really going on in his mind? And at the end, while he's staring at the window, it says something like this, but God knows the perfect conditions. Listen, listen, listen. But God knows the perfect conditions that are needed to grow. And when the time is right, his promises will be fulfilled in you. Watch this little video clip as we finish up. The pages of the Bible are bursting with God's promises to his children. I will never leave you nor forsake you. All things work together for good for those who love God. I will love you with an everlasting love. Of course, the promise is only as trustworthy as the character of the promise maker. We know God's promises are secure because we know he is trustworthy. When our faith falters, when we doubt his promises, we miss out on the peace, joy, and abundant life God wants for us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. When we question God's promises, when we wonder whether God will be faithful, Christ is God's resounding yes. He is the promise fulfilled and reaffirmed that God is with us and for us forever, even in the hardest times. What do you make of your suffering? Can you believe in the promises of God even then? If God calls you to be less significant in the eyes of the world, can you believe that God has not forsaken you, that he loves you, that he has a plan to prosper you? Can you embrace the declining life, trusting that a demotion in the kingdom of the world might be a promotion in the kingdom of God? The seed of God's promise is set within you. The Holy Spirit will nurture that seed and help it bear fruit. No matter how many no's life throws your way, Christ in you is God's yes. The assurance that even in the darkest, coldest places, God's grace remains. And as Paul writes, we are the amen to that yes. We can pass it on to others. We can become not only promise takers from God, but promise makers to others, extending light into the dark places in other people's lives. So where are the places of loss in your life today? And what does it look like to steward those losses well? How can you walk in belief of God's promises in the midst of your hardship and then help others do the same? And how would your life be different if you believed every moment in those promises, even during seasons of loss? So much and so such a small so much in such a small little what are you hearing the joy and peace where does it come from belief in the promises holding on to the promises what else did you hear there's something there's something that's going to happen in Frank's life there's something that's getting ready to take place in Frank's life and we, we oftentimes view the promises of God being kept when things are going the way that we want them to go. And yet, we're being told that God's promises are trustworthy even in those times, and He can be trusted, even in those times when we don't feel as if they're going the way that we think they should go. Because God's character is trustworthy. What else are you hearing? 
There's some depth in the midst of this. What else are you hearing? Huh? Yeah. Demotion in the world may be a promotion in the Lord. What else? Help others. Through it. Sometimes you got to give to get. But Mike Tucker, what do you know about this? You don't know anything about this. Life's just been so grand and glorious for you. I mean, there's a lot of depth. What else is being said here? What else are you hearing? Do what? God's ways are not our ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. What else? God loves us enough to give us those times to cause us to grow. It brings us to a place of recognizing how dependent we are on him. And we've got a choice in those times to either turn to ourselves and try to fix it on our own or to, to be able to find joy and peace and rest, being able to say, God, even in this, I trust you. Remember, we say this all the time. Our faith is not faith until it's tested. I mean, it's easy to come to church. It's easy to go to a Bible study and learn a few facts and figures. It's more difficult when you have to put that to work. It's the shift. It's the tension in the shift from being where I am to being where God wants me to be, says I should be. It's those tensions. Anybody else? What's your takeaway? In the natural man, we're promise breakers. We're not trustworthy. Our Heavenly Father is very trustworthy. He is consistent. His promises are secure. His character is right. What would life be like if we were to know his promises, and we were to hold on to his promises, that even in this, Jesus, I can trust you. I got some stories of those moments where I've had to take those deep breaths, and I've had to say, even in this, Jesus, I'm going to choose to trust you because I believe that you are who you said you are, and that you'll do what you said you'll do. But it doesn't mean those tensions aren't there. And I'm not less of a man nor less of a believer because of those tensions. So, if you're in a missional community where you have the opportunity to be able to continue these discussions in those missional communities, uh, we will be putting this video online um, so you'll have an opportunity to again go back because I promise you if you'll watch it again and again and again, there'll be other things that'll continue to come out to you. Um, next week, we'll pick up the second part of the video 
which will even get more in depth of where things are. Um, I think next week we'll be talking about the issue of legacy. But my prayer is that as you walk through this time and as we walk through this time of teaching, that God will do something in your heart that may be just very, very significant. That he would prompt something in you that would encourage you in your faith and help you grow to a place of recognizing God's greatness. Um, If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus again, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of all? I'd love to be able to share that with you. If you don't know him, come see me after the service. I'll be up here for a few minutes. Let me pray with you. Father, I pray that you would take the conversations that we've had this morning, the videos that we've seen, our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper and remembering your sacrifice, that we would be encouraged here today. I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, what we're doing is very important. I know these little video clips and the significance of the parables that they teach from a perspective of godliness in in Scripture are so vitally important. Um, And they're timely for so many people. I pray that we would hear and the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And they would encourage us as well as prompt us to live out our faith in even a, a stronger depth. Help to help us be courageous to ask some really tough questions. Father, I pray that we would hold on to the promises believing that you are who you say you are and that you are trustworthy. Help us to know the promises. And we know the promises because we can read them in the scriptures. So may we be people of the word. May every one of us in this room be challenged to go back and spend time in the word on a regular basis, not just once a week on Sundays. May we be propelled to go back and to spend time in your word so that we may know your word, so that we may know you and know your promises. I pray that now that as we leave, Father, that that we would be your instruments of grace and peace into the community in which we live and serve, that we would be your ambassadors. Help us to live out a legacy in faith in such a way that not only would our families come to not only know you, but Father, others within our sphere of influence would come to know you as well. That's what I pray. That heritage would be more about gathering on Sunday morning. And Father, but we would be about leaving a legacy of faith that would last for generations to come. So would you help us do that? In Jesus' name, amen.